and welcome to Unite Quest episode 208. I'm your host. I'm your technologically failing host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, failing in every other capacity, David and Bernie. Uh, and uh, <laughs> nothing is working. I should say recording and streaming seems to be working fine. Uh, but what I wanted to stream isn't working, and the, my backup is not working, and it's all going wrong. Yeah. But something will be streamed. Not that it Train matters. Wheels. Yes, not that it matters for anyone listening to this at a later date in podcast form. Uh, oh. So yeah, uh, video games. Yeah, Gaijin uh, will probably be here later, I think. Yeah, uh, I have a copy of Near Replicant sitting next to me. I intended to play, but could not find muster the interest. Except I don't have it near me. Yes. I didn't buy it. <laughs> Smart. Listen. I'm not uh, a Yokotaro fan. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the original Nier quite a lot, and the bits I played of Automata, but uh, I feel like we're going from the the point where Nier was a beloved, underrated classic to the point where Nier is a severely overrated um, flawed game. You just kind of like cross that Rubicon where it's like, okay, guys, there's there's limits here. Yeah. Uh, don't worry though, you can still hybridize flowers. That's something, I guess. And you can't fix, and you can't move them forward by uh, moving the PS Force clock forward. Apparently. Interesting. How to be patient, I guess. Um, yeah, that, that really does drag us right into the usual first segment. What have you been playing, Wheels? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter this week. So the new content dropped this week. and um, was that? I have not gotten to it yet because I had been taking it, taking my leisurely good time and then suddenly realized... I have been taking too much of my leisurely good time and have been playing catch-up and am not quite there yet. So we'll see. You don't see. have to just do the new content the second that it drops. You're just having fun. Yeah, it's, it's true. I just feel like I was like severely behind and needed to make up some, some time. Gotta keep up with the Monster Hunter Joneses? Yes, exactly. I gotta, I, I gotta keep up my Monster Hunter cred, man. Is that how that works? I don't know. I think it works. Yeah, I've been playing a lot online and making plans to eventually return to world in some capacity and stop being a curmudgeon about it. Too bad, buddy. You're going to stay a curmudgeon. I mean, true. 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 But you so, might still play. Yes. I mean, I like Iceborne quite a lot. It's just I want to play on PC now instead, which requires me to go through everything I didn't like about world again. <laughs> Let's do it all again. Yeah. What could go wrong? Except everything. So yeah, there's that. Um, I've been dipping back into Persona 5, to finishing up the post-game dungeon, or making some progress there. In no rush. Uh, a lot of dungeon. There is a lot of dungeon. Um, uh, I think that's kind of it for RPGs. I had 
taking the time to finish off the Apex Legends Battle Pass on Switch, since they they give you thirty, they gave everyone on Switch thirty free levels. I figured, Might what, as the well. hell? what the hell? Uh, actually finished that well ahead of time, but yeah, uh, and very excited to see that they are uh, doing some tie-ins to Titanfall in the next update. And by for Titanfall. Uh, yes. That's nice. Yep. I didn't play any RPGs this week. I was busy and tired. Some That's combination fair. of those two things. So I just played Street Fighter. I mean, Street Fighter is so local. good. Much more local than uh, working on my uh, half grappler game. Listen, you can't go wrong with Street Fighter. Unless it's like, I don't know, Street Fighter the movie, the game. Yeah. Uh, no one's playing Street Fighter the real battle on film in this day and age, except I have actually played it with my past year. <laughs> but, that being said, that game is a beautiful disaster, so at least with that. Um, but yeah, no, I've been working on my half grappler game, trying to, uh, uh, I guess, polish up my capacity to play as Alex and Rainbow Mika, because I like characters that have access to int an intimidating command grab, but mostly just punch people a lot. Nice. So, gotta hit them with the mix-up. Also, one of them says, you can't escape a lot, which is really fun. <laughs> so that's been fun. We should play that sometime, yes. We should, for sure. Yeah, uh, Street Fighter, I got my copy of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World Complete Edition on Switch in the mail from the mid run. Oh, nice. Still haven't played that yet. Did you get the Ultra Collection, or...? No, I didn't see that. Okay. That? I wasn't even able to grab No More Heroes when that was happening. Aww. Yeah, it happens. It's just, it's a shame. Uh, but yeah. On the bright side, this does... Uh, I assume you got a copy as well. For yeah, I did the ridiculous thingy. Of course you did. So I haven't got my copy yet. One day I'll, uh, one day I'll have a job, and then I'll buy everything that's stupid. <laughs> um, I, say that, I, I say that as though, like... Like, it's a full acknowledgement that I'm stupid, and I'm the mark that these are for. But yeah. Uh, it's kind of cute. It comes with... Uh, one of the things that came in the regular edition, and I assume will be in every box copy, is this little, uh, like, ticket stub for a sex bomb show. Nice. That was cute. I like that. One day you'll get that lined up properly. There you go. Yeah, so I'm going to be yeah. playing a little Slay the Spire while I get Monster Hunter Freedom Unite set up, so bear with me here. Monster fronting. Um... But yeah, uh, not really. Didn't really have the brain space for an RPG this week, so RPGs didn't happen. Uh, RPGs Sorry. were sent. Sent to hell. Um, yeah. Hopefully next week I'll finish out Innocence. Uh, it's, it's all going to depend on what I have the mental bandwidth for. You know. Yeah. 
Uh, is there been any news we wanted to bring up? Is like, um, um, yeah, like, I don't think so. Sony did a state of play. It had no RPGs in it. It had almost nothing in it. I was baffled when I was just looking at YouTube and it was like, recommended Sony State of Play. I had heard no statements about it at any point. Social yeah, media failed me completely. <laughs> uh, and then I watched its content and I was like, oh, that's why no one talked about it. <laughs> because, like, I mean, I'm interested in the new Ratchet and Clank game, despite finding the writing quite tedious, but oh boy, they they spent 20 minutes talking about a Ratchet & Clank game that I could have summed up as like, oh, it's a lot like the other ones, but with a bit more platforming than was in the last few. <laughs> and, like, the levels are a little more open. But that wasn't even what they focused on. They just focused on everything about it that was exactly like all the other Ratchet & Clank games. Great. And it's like, guys, mm. this game is... This is the... This is epic... Like... Guys, this is number, like, 12 in a franchise that's been going on for 19 years. I think you're fine. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, I did still... see I did see that there is an RPG-ish game coming out to PS5 on Friday that I somehow didn't even realize that's what it was. What is it? Returnal. Oh, that's apparently, like, roguish? Yeah. Roguelite-ish? Roguelite-ish? It sounds... It's getting really good reviews, so... It does not sound like my cup of tea, so I yeah. kind of ignored it. <laughs> my curiosity like We'll see. What about Hades? Yeah. You play my boy Hades? I, I have it. I have not yet played it. Shaking my head right now. Listen, buddy. You still haven't played Skies of Arcadia. That's true. It hasn't rained yet. I'm pretty sure it's rained at least a little bit. It's. I'm pretty sure it's raining right now. <laughs> Plants Guides of Arcadia, my boy, my precious boy. But yeah, it's just like I don't know. I don't want to like because like you know, the the way that I look at it is there is. I, I don't want to jump into a kind of game that I'm not super jazzed about all the time when I'm not in the mood for it, to try to force myself to understand why people like things, because then it's just going to be like, the things I already don't like about it are going to grate on me a lot more. <laughs> so, like, just jumping into it for the sake of that is just going to be like, no, nah, that's, that's maybe just going to make me miserable and more of a curmudgeon, so I won't. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've got a lot of shooters in my life, and Returnal seems to be like a roguelike shooter. I forget what else its developer made. They sounded German as hell because their name is like Hausmark. Yeah, Hausmarky. They made a bunch of weird arcadey type games. Oh, weren't they the Stardust developer? I think so. Some, that sounds familiar. Yeah, this seemed like a wild, ambitious uh, up, increase in scope and complexity. So. I don't know. Yeah. People seem to like it. I heard some mixed things, but I mean, yeah, let me check it out. Uh, oh, I did. I did pop in something else last Saturday. I watched Seven Samurai, so I popped in Ghost of Tsushima again. Oh, nice! Because it, because it's a samurai game, you see. 
Yes, I need to get more into that. I need to play that at some point, but I just feel like my my cup of open-worldy games is quite full. Yeah, no, that's understandable. It's a good one, but it's like it's not doing anything that's going to be like you have to throw this at the top of your list if it's not something that immediately is drawing you to play it at the moment. It's like it's a very well-put-together game that is not going to immediately stand out on any mechanical level. It lacks the, uh, I guess, immediacy of the infamous games that, that Sucker Punch had made prior. Where, like, you can say a lot about those, but, like, they were very immediately fun to move around in. And, like, this is very deliberately not that kind of game, so... It's a much more, like, Assassin's 3D sort of construction. Minus the towers. There's no towers in this. No? Well, that's fine. I've had enough towers. I think everyone has. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So that's, uh, you know. Not, uh... Not not something that anyone needs to like throw to the top of their list unless they're like, oh, I really like this aesthetic and style, which is very strong, but you know, it's uh, not mechanically something that's going to draw people. Right. But that's also not really an RPG. So. Well then. Well, R- that is a thing that RPGs. we discussed. Let's let's talk about. Titanfall! That has RPGs in it. That's it? Uh, probably not, actually. <laughs> so, apparently, uh, Gaijin didn't know we were starting yet. Let's get that Whoops. fixed. Uh, curse you, daylight savings time. <laughs> Go away, slay the spire. Hello. Hey. Hello. (laughs) We were just getting through the uh, what have we been playing this week segment, so you're right on time. Okay, good. I I honestly didn't think we were going to start for another half hour. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're dopes who don't remember time zones. Ah, and daylight savings time. Yeah, I mean, uh, also to be honest, you we usually been starting around two o'clock my time anyway, because that's about the time I can get here. Um, but... Okay, so uh, what have you guys been playing, or have you already talked that to death? We both concluded that we haven't actually been playing very many RPGs this week. Hey, I played uh, lots of Mon- Monster Hunter. Yeah, but you didn't have much to expound upon that. No, fashion. not really. Okay, well. I did pick up something new um, from a review code just to have a, a short little something to cleanse the palate between Saga Frontier games. Because um, l- let's be honest, Saga is best played not all at once. Um, hello? Hello. Okay, it was just don't worry, very just muting quiet. Myself. I'm like, kind of scared. Just muting myself to make sure that I don't yeah. bleed sound. Uh, okay. Yeah, that but reminds- yeah, so... Uh, I was just going to say yeah, that... I, I, Reminds me, I have played some Saga Frontier, but very little, because I was distracted with Monster Hunter. 
Yeah, I'm still... I had to step Saga Frontier aside just by virtue of I didn't have the mental space for any RPGs this week. Uh, well, you two still owe me a ride-up. Yes, I know. Yeah, well no, overdue. In and, progress. And, and to be official, you do not actually have to have finished a set of Saga story to write it. Oh, yeah, so. I know. I, like, I have one half written up that's mostly uh, about... Essentially, like... Spoilers, my write-up mostly going to be since this was the story that they sort of advertised as being expanded about how light a touch they took with this remaster. <laughs> okay. Okay, well then, um, okay, so I got a review code for a game called Dayland, which, um, if you remember Summer in Mara last summer, this is the same series. Huh. Didn't realize Except they had something coming yeah. that soon. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the uh, Switch port of a Steam title. Ah. So this game was officially published like three and a half years ago almost. This is just the new um, ported version. But like it, Summer in Mara was basically um, a bit of Harvest Moon and a bit of just sailing sim with a, some adventure on the side. And this game is har basically Harvest Moon crossed with the Little Prince. I mean, that's a compelling premise. Yep, except we have monsters invading the little planet instead of baobab trees. I think I would have pre preferred the baobab trees, but because I have an axe. But yeah, but it, it's cute and it does not take a lot of mental effort. So yeah, okay, that's important. So those are going well so far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah. and uh, um, I still need to decide what my next Saga Frontier playthrough will be. So, do you guys have any suggestions for a character? Uh, which ones have you done so far? Loot and loot. Oh, uh, just loot. For for the remaster, just loot. Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. It was just for the remaster. Uh. Hmm. Do a blue playthrough. Hmm? Blue. Blue, okay. I should be doing blue then. I was seeing someone on a message board get consternated by the ending for that scenario all over again. It's like, oh, some things never change. Oh well, yeah, I mean, blue does not really have much story to him. It's just like, okay, you graduated, go kill your brother. Bye-bye. <laughs> No, they were they weren't that wasn't what they were consternated by. They were consternated by the uh, by the the end screen. Ah, yeah. Which uh, took took them a while to process. <laughs> they a lot of them do. So Okay. Yeah, so that's, uh, I think that's all any of us have been playing. There's not much news going around, so. Oh, I got to a cave of spiders in robot scenario. That was not fun. Oh, that's a very anti-wheels place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. 
Robots don't have to fear spiders. I don't know, it kind of seemed like they did. You ever heard of a robot being bitten by a spider? Didn't think so. No. Uh, I certainly got wiped from these, though. Mm, I don't know. Sounds like you did something wrong. User error will not fix. Divide by zero. Universe not found. I love when I'm Nam. Let's see. Uh, yeah. T260 scenario is perfectly doable. I think you've got what it takes. And if you don't, you go to, the, you go exploit the junk shop glitch. Or I just pull out my handy dandy guide. Which will tell you to exploit the junk shop glitch. Okay, probably. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't have any questions on the comments section in the past few episodes, but I haven't checked the Discord. I'm irresponsible. I think I remember something there. Let's see. Mm. Let's go look. Let's go look. Oh, podcast section's all go to the lobby. Let's all Let's... go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Have ourselves a treat. Well, first I'm going to call out dear friend of the show, Platy M3, uh, for quoting the newest episode and saying we pointing out I said we should cut this short as Wheels is dying and then there's an hour left and I'm just going to say not my fault that Wheels had some sort of death wish <laughs> I try to be nice to this man and this is how I get repaid let's see uh, stayed up to my best wheels Okay. What did I do? I didn't do it. Uh, it's just you rambling about playing Monster Hunter too long. It's only 3.30 in the morning. Wasn't that late? What on earth is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't even go to bed that late. And I don't have the kind of timed responsibilities you do. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. How did you guys start arguing about baseball in this? <laughs> Somehow. First, I, I was quoting an old fantasy novel that involved baseball as a major theme and yeah. described it as a wonderful excuse to stand around and, and admire the scenery. I'm just saying, Wales somehow reacted with this inscrutable gift because that's how Wales reacts to 70% of things sent to him. Sure. I am a gift. There's machine. no escape. I don't speak gif. I don't understand. <laughs> Which gif? Any gif. Is it the James Earl Jones gif? Yes. <sighs> so I was trying to find a gif of him talking about baseball from Field of Dreams, and I couldn't find it, so I just gave up and grabbed a random one. <laughs> we'll just hope that that <laughs> solves. Uh, okay. He's got this most... great speech in that movie about baseball. <laughs> I just didn't feel like finding it. Baseball. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, it looks like the most recent questions asked in the Discord are from earlier than that, uh, are from earlier than our last recording, so. It's go time, suckers. 
Okay. We go out of Firebinder's list. Ever faithful. Good old Firebinder. Oh, we also have uh, some questions in the Twitch chat. Hit the, we gotta hit the do the Twitch chat first because it's the most ephemeral. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just is this what Monster Hunter character creation looks like? Uh, back on the PSP, yes. Oh, you look like an awful gnome. Okay. Uh, Doom wearing us. Do you think Holly will will take stories from more and more obscure games? No, they're just gonna keep recycling the same handful of games they've actually heard of. So That's why we just got another Mortal Kombat movie. Say what? Who's going to recycle what? Uh, Doomerang asks, do you think Hollywood will take more and more stories from more and more obscure games? And I was just saying, like, no, they're just going to keep recycling the same handful that they've heard of. Yeah. Like, Hollywood's going to, like, video game movies are going to continue to be the same handful of franchises with rare exceptions. Because, I mean, that's why we're getting a Mortal Kombat why we just got a Mortal Kombat movie in the year of our Lord 2021. Because the, all they can care about is that people recognize the title, and if it's not popular enough to be recognizable, it's not worth doing. Yeah. Also, they... Even, even also, many of them are very back. old. Yeah. Was that Mortal Kombat? I remember my kids yelling about that 20 years ago. 30 years ago. Whichever. On Mortal Monday. Yeah, they were just they just ran out in the streets and yelled Mortal Kombat. And then random techno techno music started to play. That song never appeared in any Mortal Kombat game. Doesn't, don't matter, man. It was in the movie. It showed up in an indie game though. Did it? Yeah, it was like a I think it was called Just Shapes and Beats. It was like a party rhythm game. Oh, didn't have any other songs. Like the yeah, I think song. that was the only like licensed one they did because it was like that was probably expensive. Sub Zero. No, it did not have any of the rest of the Mortal Kombat album that no one has listened to but me and twelve other people. I'm one of those twelve people. <laughs> oh, I know because you're singing Chinese Ninja Warrior with your heart so cold. <laughs> Sub Zero. <laughs> that song has two lines: Chinese Ninja Warrior with your heart so cold, and. Your heart is a mystery written on your mask. And neither of those lines make sense. Well, we have our intro music for this week. Oh, lordy. Uh... Oh, okay, then. I mean, the best the best stories about uh, midway game development always came from NBA Jam anyway, so I don't know why people are always on about the Mortal Kombat. Uh, Doomerang asks, what do you think will happen to JRPGs if Arise fails? Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, they'll keep on keeping on, but we'll probably see uh, Tails take another, like, five-year-long hiatus. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of other series doing fine, like... Uh... I mean, freaking Persona 5 Strikers went sold over a million. Yeah, it's nearly at 2 million, actually. Damn. But, yeah, like, I, I think it's one of those things, like, there was a period where Tales was kind of the only consistently releasing JRPG, but the genre has gotten, at least in the West, I should say, uh, 
Like, they would just, like, pump one of those out a year, and it was, like, the biggest budget of the consistently releasing JRPGs, but things have kind of changed a lot since that was the case. And so it doesn't really register as, like, a standard bearer at this stage. Uh, yeah, I would not describe that. Um, yeah. Oh, I missed the other part of Doomerang's statement, which was that uh, after Demon Slayer, it's obvious they know the power of game slash anime, and it's like, it's going to be a long time before, like, there's any noticeable impact, because, like, you need essentially a generation of executives to change, and that takes forever. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm wondering how much Demon Slayer actually making some money has to do with the fact that there's nothing else to see if you go to the movie theater, man. I mean, it did crazy well, especially outside of the U.S. Okay. Oh, so yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like, that was a mind-bogglingly popular anime film. Interesting. I mean, not even just the anime, but just judging from the manga, where the previous year, the top huge. 10 best-selling manga volumes were all volumes of Demon Slayer. Something finally overtook One Piece. There have apparently been only five manga series in the last two decades to overtake One Piece for the number one spot at, for any length of time. And Demon Slayer is the first one to do so in the previous decade. Yeah. Before that, there was Nana, um, what, um, Death Note, and I don't remember the others. Yeah. But I think... Death Note was the was the last one before One Piece or before uh, Demon Slayer did it. They were always kind of huge hits as far as manga goes. They would so have much, to be. Yeah, like it's just there's there's no two ways around it. Like if you are if you overtake One Piece for any period of time, it means that you were at the very least a huge hit for some period. Mm -hmm. Like I'm looking at the actual like box office take of this film. And globally, it's at like 459 million. So, oh, okay, that is significantly more than I thought. Yeah, American and... executives are going to take a long time to register that because we like American executives tend to underestimate global box offices. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, Demon Slayer is a like bona fide actual huge hit, I think it's. Probably the highest-grossing anime film of all time in Japan, at least. Pretty close. Yeah, I think it just, like, I saw it as, like, it overtook something huge, and it was like, oh, wow. It probably overtook something Ghibli. Yeah, I think it was spirited away. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's going to have to take a while before it beats out um, Totoro's rental um, records. Yeah, yeah, rental is slightly different from box office here, but yeah, yeah. that's going to take a bit. Well, no, I mean, like, um, there was, I mean, they used to track VHS rentals, like, yeah. how often? And My Neighbor Totoro was the number one VHS rental for five years plus. That is Sequentially. Terrifying. No breaks. <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, high, one of the highest grossing foreign language box office releases in the U.S. in quite a very long time, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, I still have seen and read nothing of Demon Slayer, which is proof that I have, like, slowly allowed myself to completely age out of the Shonen demographic, but that was kind of inevitable. Uh mm -hmm. 
Oh, no, I've heard it's good. Um, yeah. Do we have okay. strong opinions about Tales of Arise at this stage? No. Yeah. Didn't think so. So uh, talk to me when they inspire an entire marketing range of face masks. <laughs> Speaking of which, guess what the most popular patterns of face masks are in this country? Just gonna guess anime. <laughs> I was going to say, apparently, um, apparently, no, Demon Slayer. Oh. Apparently they have inspired <laughs> an entire resurgence of Taisho period patterns for clothing. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Just just based on what the main characters are wearing for the entire series. Yep. I'll do it. Man, I'm just thinking about how freaking Harmony Gold is still trying to make a Robotech movie work, and it's the most hilarious thing in the world. Because they're an awful company. I mean, yeah, well. yeah. Basically, some sort of like real estate uh, money laundering shell game, seemingly. But pretty uh, much. On the bright side, Macross is allowed to come out in the U.S. again. <laughs> they struck Finally. some sort of deal with Big West. Let's call it ex for what it is. It's extortion. Well, whatever the case, they've uh, some sort of extortion deal has happened and <laughs> please do not sue us for slander um but yeah uh i don't know there should be a resurgence of macross games now just do that <laughs> we can all go don't let me go back down the list of canceled robotech games like robotech crystal dreams what's a macross you don't know about macross not really you never it's... heard robotech I know Robotech, yeah. It's the most Rob it's the largest and most popular constituent part of Robotech. Okay. Yeah, I mean Rob Robotech was basically stitched together out of three or four different anime series, two of which were actually called Macross at the time, even though they weren't actually related. They were both super dimensional series. I think yeah. only one of them had the name Macross. Yeah. Because there was uh, no, I know Southern Cross was yeah. not actually connected to the main series and they also never completed the ser that series. And, and then there's uh, Genesis Climber Mosprata. Yeah. That would be the one with the, the motorcycles, right? No. Maybe? Maybe. It's been a very long time. Uh, I mean, there have been, like I said, there have been at least four separate series that were stitched together to make Mac to make Robotech. Yeah, Robotech the Major movie was actually the OVA Megazone 2-3. Okay, five series. Okay. <laughs> But it was only part one, and if you've ever seen Megazone 2-3, you know that part one is, kind of doesn't have an ending, and whatever ending it can be considered to have is deeply upsetting. So they had to, like, yeah. pay oh, to wow. animate a new one. <laughs> Incredible. I'm trying to remember. Um, I know there was a specific term for a movie that is has been chopped up and re, um, reassembled with a new voiceover to make something different. I can't remember what it is, because apparently it's not Blue Movie. Yeah, that's different. I forget if there's, like, a what the actual term for that would be in a technical sense. People in the anime community just call them massacres, but... Yeah, because Masek was the big guy behind a lot of it. So I feel kind of bad for it, because Masek was basically hired to... Was basically given the directive, cut these series together. So it was just a case of, well, he was done. He did what he was paid to do. 
also the manager. Yeah, but he, he made some executive decisions on his own that were... Also, I mean, the man's been dead for 10 years, so it feels like beating a dead horse. But, but yeah, he's also the reason why um, Studio Ghibli refused to deal with American companies for quite a long time. Very strange. Yeah. Very strange choices all around. But, yeah, very... Anime yeah. history's weird, especially localization of anime. Yeah. In, in any case, I never actually saw the series um, on TV. I just read the book. Um, adaptations and the book adaptations made a lot more sense because they were written to make more sense. Yeah, you didn't have a bunch of contrasting visuals that had to like lie about being connected to each other. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like mm -hmm. realistically, whenever Robotech is, whenever they're trying to make a sequel to Robotech, it's almost always trying to make a sequel to the Macross part of Robotech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, I mean, like, the, the, the big, easy, like, for anyone who is mildly interested in this, the easy, quote-unquote, things to get into whenever they get around to releasing them would be things like uh, Macross Do You Remember Love or Macross Plus, uh, one of which is, like, a movie condensement of the original series that actually works pretty well on, like, a lot of movie condensements, and one of which is, like, an OVA that I think was directed by, like, the Cowboy Bebop director... And it is very high quality. Mm. But yeah, just a, just uh, in Japan, that is a franchise that is active and has been active for the last 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a, that, uh, that's a complete tangent. I just find it interesting. Um, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I was going to pull up Fire Miner's list. Let's scroll down. Oh, that's a question I'm not good at handling. Oh, which one? 46. That was the first one I saw that wasn't highlighted. 46. Uh, yeah. I am... Oh, wait a minute. This is, this is the guy... This is a question about the guy who did Nier, right? Yeah, Nier, Drakengard. I'll just read it oh. out since we've just beaten around the bush. Mm -hmm. Finally, which elements from Yoko Taro's writing that uh, draw people to him? I don't think he's bad, just kind of one note. He always repeats the theme of people doing good things go unrewarded, but people should still do good things. Yeah, uh, I think it's people being drawn to the characters. I don't know. I honestly don't like his writing very much. I'm not so, sure if I've played any game by him. I've played Drakengard uh, 1, I've played Nier, I've played Nier Automata, I've not had the interest to finish any of them. Okay, I haven't played any of them either. Uh, prior I, to I did, that, he I did direct... see the hilarious letter that um, <laughs> that they wrote for Square Enix. Yeah, yeah. Uh... On the Square Enix website, prefaced with the, we asked the outspoken Outspoken creators of Near Replicant version 1 1.22474487139 dot 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 square root of one to, and a half. Uh-huh. To share their thoughts about the launch of the game. It may have been a mistake. Yeah, that's uh I think this is the third or fourth like I don't know I don't think it was this letter where he did this, but I think this is the third or fourth game launch where he's prefaced it by saying asking other developers to stop making games so that his games will have a better chance of being successful. I know I like yes. the fact that his partner in this one was like, 
people, please buy this game or else we will be forced to travel the world in a van trying to sell the excess copies. I don't like vans. Yeah, yeah. And the, that... We can't believe that they actually let us do this. <laughs> I think it was Yosuke Saito. Notably, this is not actually the first attempt to remake Nier. There was a briefly proposed Vita version of Nier back in, like, 2011 that uh, didn't go anywhere because it was trying to make a Nier port in 2011. But, yeah, no, I was not... Yeah, I'm a bad person to ask. Wheels, do you have an opinion on this? Uh, not really. I mean... I get why. I get why people are into Nier. I mean, you like Nier well enough. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely in a very underrated game. Like, it got middling reviews, and you know, but there was kind of a this underground buzz about it, and I played through it, and it was there's a, a lot to like about it, but it's still like, um, this. Is still made by the person that cursed us with Drakengard, and is a sequel and you to. You can feel it. And insults even the people that like that game by making it a sequel to some weird random ending from that game. Like, like almost a joke if... ending. Like I guess, I guess since I can't answer this question, I'll like do the rant that I've had like boiling in me for like a few weeks while I've listened to people just sort of complain that people didn't like Nier the first time around, and just say, Yoko Taro backloads all of his most interesting content. Yeah. And, like, the thing that has made the more recent games more successful is the degree of backloading has shifted. Like, Nier Automata, like, has something interesting as a hook happen in, like, the first couple hours. It's interesting Whereas, right away, I think. Yeah, like, it's it's much faster to get to something interesting. Near 1 has, like, the weird, like, opening that I think is supposed to be the hook, but, like, it takes so long to follow up on that it's just, like, most people don't have the patience to sit through this, and I don't think they're wrong. Yeah. Because it's just, like, so much of the beginning of that game is wasting your time, but ironically. Gee, thanks. Like, here's a side quest. It was worthless. You shouldn't have done it. Thanks, asshole. <laughs> and, like, when you go further back into, like, Drakengard, that is a game that waits until, like, hour 30 to decide to do something interesting. Like, I don't prior believe to it that, does it's... anything to... interesting. <laughs> I think it gets... the last few endings are mildly interesting, but you've spent hours and hours and hours playing the worst Dynasty Warriors game ever made. <laughs> and, like, the the thing that it's doing that's interesting is telling you you shouldn't have played more. Yeah. Because, like, that's the, that's the, the trick of Drakengard. And, like, this is, like, freaking public domain spoilers at this point. I'm not speaking to anything that actually happens, but the answer to everything in Drakengard is... The more time you put into it, the more it tells you you should have stopped. <laughs> and, like, the joke is that... And the that game is right, when, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, the joke is that usually when you finish a game and get a bad ending, if you put more time in, you'll get a better ending. But the more time you put into Drakengard, the worse your ending gets. Like, that's the joke. And there's 
kind of not a second joke. <laughs> and there's kind of not, like, everyone was awful. All of the characters were completely irredeemable from word one. Why did you spend so much time hanging out with, like, the child murderer and the cannibal? It's just, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't gel much with Taro's general vibe or writing style. I kind of get the point. I'm, I, I would agree that I think that he's kind of one note. Because, like, if you drill into the thematics, because, like, eventually I got tired of playing Drakengard in the year, and I just looked up what happens in them. And, like, if you drill further into the thematics, he's kind of saying the same thing a few times. <laughs> and it's like he's approached it from different angles, but it's sort of like setting up the same joke, the same punchline with different setups, where it's like, even if the punchline, like, this is the dramatic version of a punchline, but, like, bear with me. Even if the punchline's really good eventually it's just like, well, I'm just waiting for you to do the same thing you always do. And, like, at this point, I, I would really be more surprised to see a Yoko Taro game that goes into a different set of thematic ideas or approaches them from another direction. But, I mean, that's, you know, people, people like it. It evidently resonates with a lot of people. Uh... But yeah, it's it's not for me, and I can't answer this question in good faith because I don't know. <laughs> uh, needed to cross that off, and since Replicant just came out, it's more appropriate than ever. Yeah. Uh, Actually, that's the only reason why I know who this person is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's he's become someone that like gets put on a lot of promotional tours because he'll always do like the sound bites that grab attention. So it's like, of course, you keep having him do interviews. But, I mean, yeah. there's no denying that he's a bit of a character. He's very much like, he's basically playing a pro wrestling character at all times, except that instead of being uh, braggadocious, he's just, like, really depressed. Yep. So it's just like I mean he's he's literally wearing a mask essentially in all but maybe one public appearance. Apparently he does some podcasts where he's or some video podcasts where he's not wearing the mask. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a much rarer occasion when he's wearing not wearing the mask. But yeah, like the mask is almost a mascot at this point. Like that face appears in both near games as I recall. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. I've, I've seen people, like, calling for a Drakengard remake, and it's like, oh, it, was possible to, uh, it's, it was possible to fix the things about Nier that people found, like, a problem. Like, they could, well, not completely fixed. Like, obviously, the some of the uh, things that are not palatable to a lot of people are going to inherently be aspects of the game, but it was possible to make the game smoother. Whereas, like, even if Drakengard one, I've never played Drakengard two or three. I own two. I bought it when it was like two dollars, uh, just for the sake of owning it because it was funny to me. Uh, but like, even if you did 
like, even if you took Drakengard 1 and sanded off all of the fact that the gameplay is just completely terrible from from top to bottom, (laughs) to recreate that game in any meaningful fashion would produce something so off-putting that there would be essentially no mainstream audience for it. Like, Near 1 and Near Automata have unpleasant things in them as, like, counterpoints to a lot of things that are, like, supposed to be, like, just sort of uh, breaking between sort of, like, things that are beautiful, natural, and idyllic versus things that are ugly and, like, horrible. Drakengard just wallows in being unpleasant and horrible. Like... The protagonist is an unrepentant murderer, and there's a lot of themes of, like, cannibalism and child abuse and other things that would get our podcast all sorts of weird tags. Uh, so I don't I don't think that there's a path to remaking Drakengard that would not be a commercial and critical disaster. So more likely you're just going to get more sequels to Nier that branch off of more and more cosmically absurd endings so I don't know maybe they'll make a sequel to Nier Automata that takes place after the ending where you die because you ate fish sure (laughs) it's uh yeah that's that's just kind of the thing um but yeah that's that's enough Nier I just kind of wanted to ramble about it and that question gave me a chance uh, Doomerang asks, with how fast-paced and over-the-top Dragon Quest Die is, do you think it could affect the number games into being more action-based? Not after Dragon Quest Nine, it can't. Not for a main series game, no. Yeah, no. If they want to do that, they're going to make a spin-off with a name that makes it clear that, no, your number Dragon Quest is as turn-based as it ever was. Um, and another one from Doomerang. After the Diablo 2 remaster, do you think people can be a little too loyal to a brand name? There's games that have refined on it and do it so well, arguably better, like Path of Exile and uh, Grim, Dawn after, Grim Dawn after so long. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, brand loyalty is kind of the thing that companies build themselves on. Like, the 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 auteur developer is so rare because, we, because the brand is what's sold. Yeah. Like, yeah. even the auteur developer is sold on the brand of the developer. In, yeah, like, kind like of a, a whole other game, Dragon Quest. Yeah. Uh, did we else die? No, I'm, I'm good. Maybe. Okay, I just noticed that Monster Hunter, Hunter wasn't moving, and I was like, huh? Oh, oh, oh. What's up? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, all okay. good. All good. I must miss but, my yeah. quest for broad items. <laughs> But yeah, wow, you really cut that down to the wire. Um, but yeah, uh, like, I mean, it's hard to get people to trust things that they have not, that they don't know very well, and that's why brand names keep being, like, the dominant force here. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's been 20 years since Diablo 2, and there's probably plenty of games that do do that gameplay loop better. But I think, like, a thing that gets lost in, like, why people want these old games again, even though there are new games that do them better, is that people don't... People like playing something that they've already learned. Like, if you tell someone, like, 
say Path of Exile or Grimdon or whatever is better, but then tell them all of the ways that the mechanics are different and that they have to learn new ones. Like, you'll get plenty of people who say, yes, I'm into that, but you also get plenty of people that are just like, I just sort of want to have the experience without having to put in, like, start time on it. And, like, the the draw of something like Diablo 2 Remastered is you can experience that Diablo 2 style game and you don't have to learn a single new thing. So I, th I think that's a lot of why these kinds of remasters will continue to be popular, even outside of the fact that people might even know that there are games that might do them might do their games better, but not better enough to make them change from the game they already know. In conclusion, uh, games that have improved on classics are often like Dvorak keyboards. <laughs> for a, a, a good idea that never caught on well so like the the way i once heard it put was that like studies showed that the dvorak keyboard was like five to ten percent better which meant that it wasn't better enough to make people abandon the thing that they already knew because it's like even if I do this after the like, even if this will be better after the initial adjustment period, it won't be better enough that I'll feel like I got much out of changing. Did you ever hear how QWERTY came to dominate in the first place? Uh, not particularly. Um, way I think back in the late 19th century, maybe even they had a there was this big contest at a convention between uh, a contest between different typewriter settings, mm -hmm. and. Uh, the guy who brought in the QWERTY keyboard typewriter had his secretary practice like crazy for like over a week or two beforehand. Mm -hmm. So her typing speed was through the roof compared to everybody else. I mean, that was just foolish on everyone else's part. That sounds like something that probably happened at like a world's fair. Yeah. Uh, but since he was able to, to uh, quote unquote, demonstrate the superiority of the QWERTY format keyboard, he managed to sell a ton more and it became standard. Yeah. I mean, really, like like most things with keyboards, it would be very difficult to design a keyboard with any sort of, like, hand-based arrangement that wasn't usable. So but at it really the same wasn't. time, it's... At the same time, it's hard to design a keyboard with a less convenient combination of letters, of letter placement than the QWERTY. The thing is that, like... The, 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 and, like, that's understandable to a point, but, like, at, at some point, you run into the fact that, like, even if the like home row keys are not that useful, like it doesn't really matter as long as they're arranged in a way where you can quickly get to all of them because yeah. you'll get used to it. And like that's the that's the Dvorak problem is that like yeah. even though the arrangement may be better, you're still in a situation where it it doesn't matter because like you're still the same kind of arrangement. You'd need to completely rethink how the keyboard was laid out to convince people that it was different enough to be worth changing. But yeah, uh, yeah, like I would say that that's it's that with games for a lot of, especially these sort of remasters of things that have fall were popular at the time but have fallen into being niche genres. So like, that's that's kind of like a lot of Blizzard's identity at this point is that a lot of their classic games, they don't really make sequels to because they're not perceived as being huge sellers anymore. Like, you don't see big-budget real-time strategy games anymore, and you don't see, like, big-budget 
top-down point-and-click loot games anymore. Because, like, those genres have either moved on or hybridized into other nigh-unrecognizable things. But Blizzard's, like, entire fortune was built on those and World of Warcraft. And World of Warcraft never went away. And they still remastered it, kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that that's uh, the tack to approach it from uh, as to why we probably won't see a lot of concerted pickup. People are less hungry for a new Diablo and more hungry for the Diablo they always had. <laughs> oh, here's one we might all have something to say about. After Ark the Lad, which not-so-popular uh, PS1 RPG which you uh, you would like to see being continued or rebooted? I'm not, The only Ark the Lad I remember coming back is uh, the phone game that no one's played. But uh, less popular PS1 RPG I'd like to see continue or be rebooted? Mm, I want to hit one of the usual suspects. You guys got anything? Well, I mean, I've got several of the usual suspects in mind. I'm trying to think of something less usual right now. Yeah. Wales, save us. Wales? Wales. Yeah. Wales. Yes. Okay, Wales okay. fell asleep. Um, yeah, let's see. Something, something off the wall that I have not mentioned to death on this podcast before. You heard the question, right, Wales? I did not. <laughs> after after Arcthalad, which not-so-popular PS1 RPG would you like to see being continued or rebooted? Hmm. Hmm. Skip the obvious joke answer. Um, well, what was the obvious joke answer? Wrath of Fire. Well, I mean, it got through to the PS2, so that doesn't count anyway. Yeah, I don't want to reboot it anyway. Um, uh, Vagrant Story? No. Um, okay. Uh, Tactics Ogre? That series kind of died right there. Although there was no, a yeah, the, the Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, no, no, no. I want real. Final Fantasy Tactics lacks the chaos frame. Yeah. I re want the real Battle of Ogres, named after some Queen song. I mean, that yeah, requires well, getting Gossamy Matsuno back. Yeah. Well, it didn't have to be a realistic answer, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I feel like the four man would die. Um. Um. What was the name of this one? Um, okay, you know what? Just go really off the wall. Magical medical. Okay, I'm pretending I know what that is. That was a very early PS1 um, sort of roguelike where you were an anthropomorphic pill that was sent in to uh, into a body's immune uh, into a body to uh, seek out and destroy viruses. Hmm. Interesting. Um, cute premise. Incredibly awful early PS1 3D. Oh, I love that shit. I'm going to go look this up right now. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it is available 
um, you can actually play it over a website now. I accidentally found this out a few months ago while looking for some other things. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, you can actually emulate it straight off the internet. Oh yeah, baby. Oh Konami. Oh, that's why it's never coming back. Yeah. Oh, that's some real trophy music. Let me check. Oh lord. Yeah. Oh lord. Oh. I mean, because if we're going to remake something, we might as well start with something that could only benefit. They they couldn't make it worse. Exactly. This is some dada shit when you don't when you don't speak, read enough Japanese to be able to tell what they're saying. Yep. The only reason I still have my copy is because the game store wouldn't take the disc back. Incredible. No, beca- oh. no, no, because specifically there was writing on the manual, and it wasn't worth enough otherwise. Incredible. Understandable. The writing on the manual incredible. being the combinations of items needed to mix together to make specific Oh, someone controls. actually filled out the notes section? Yes. <laughs> it was actually usable information. Incredible. Yeah. So that's like the best FMVs I've seen since Tama, Adventurous Balls, and Giddy Labyrinth. There's so many things wrong with that title. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a clone of like... I'm trying to think of what... It, it's, it's very Marvel Madness-esque, but for some reason it's called Tama, Adventurous Ball, and Giddy Labyrinth. It's a... Uh, that sounds like somebody just put the Japanese title into a translation program and hit frappe. Oh, don't worry, buddy. It That didn't come out in English. That's just what it was called in Japan. No, I mean, it sounds like that was somebody's attempt at translating that original Japanese title. Yeah, no. It's uh. just they they apparently did that while releasing it in Japan. <laughs> that's just wow. what the logo says. Yeah, that's somebody who maybe passed high school English. I got a, I got like a D in high school English. I can make it work. But yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Wikipedia. This is, uh, this, uh, really is just, uh, everything to be seen about it. Pull this, this bad boy up and make sure everyone in Skype call gets to see this lovely cover. Yeah, uh, Magical Medical, that's, uh, that's gonna be impossible to top, so I'm not gonna try. (laughs) Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Tam is drawing the chat. Uh, points out all of his got PS2 releases. Vagrant Story is suggested. There is no PS2 Vagrant Story, just by the by. Uh, Legaya 2 did come out on PS2. Not sure what Conroll is. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. I'll have to check. Uh, like, all of my favorite, like, weird-ass PS1 games that I want to come back in some fashion tend to be, uh tend to be, like, uh, not 
RPGs because RPG was a relatively understood genre. And all the weirdest PS2 game, PS1 games are like wild things that do not make sense. That like the PS1 was not technically equipped to handle and are thus like utter disasters in the most fascinating fashion. <laughs> and they all have names like Mizerna Falls and Kowloon's Gate. Is Kowloon's Gate an RPG? It was at least adjacent. Yeah, maybe Kowloon's Gate. I would like to see Kowloon's Gate get re-released in some fashion. That's a weird game. It's like more of an adventure game, but whatever. It's got a lot of text. RPG fans would probably play it. We else you come up with something? No. And of course, uh, while looking for if anyone reviewed the game that he was thinking of, Tam just says, oh, uh, OMG, Michael reviewed it. <laughs> Which game? Uh, uh, it looks like it's spelled uh, Conral, K-H-A-N-R-A-L or I. Kamarai? Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. Ugh. Um, it was attempting to have something similar to Star Ocean's um, everybody running around at once mechanic. Mm-hmm. And the AI was supposed to be based on how much the rest of your team liked you or didn't like you. Uh. Except raising, raising, like, um, raising a person's happiness towards you was about ten times slower than losing it. Yep, that's a problem. Fixable in a remake, but a problem. Yeah, okay, I was actually trying to remember the title of that one to suggest as a remake when I was was skipping on the... My brain was skipping on it. I was kept thinking of Athey instead. Which was a completely different mess. (laughs) I'll have to look this game up later because I haven't heard much about it. Yeah. Um... It it started... It suffered a lot for um, unnecessary plot hoops to jump through a really high encounter right later on, and like I said, battles that existed mainly to drain your characters of allegiance to you. That's a problem. Yes, it was a big problem, especially when characters start running away. Yep, that's a bigger problem. Oh, Lord. Sounds hateful. It's one of those where it could have been so much better if we had just scrapped this affinity system. (laughs) Or, if it or made it, or made it less likely to lose happy points when you get hit, because the only way to increase happy points was to heal, and you couldn't heal fast enough to make up the difference. Yeah, that's a, that's just mathematically bad. Like that should have been obvious just from looking at the math. <laughs> yeah, and um, they, I think they tried to shore it up with items or gifts that you could give. It was ended up being that the you traditional needed life enough sense. gifts to basically make everyone happy again after every single battle and you just couldn't hold enough. Oh, that's miserable. Yeah, that needs to, like, play out either as, like, a deeply cumulative reaction or, like, something that's primarily affected by, like, dialogue decisions and gifts rather than combat. Oh, that sounds deeply open-centered. That's a shame. Wheels, if you can't think of one, one will be assigned to you. Okay, go ahead. 
Well, now Wheels just really just can't live without a Guardians Crusade remake. I have no idea what that is, but you're correct. Hey, I, I'd be I on board one. with that one. It's actually a pretty good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird game that like I think more could be done with. Oh, Guardians definitely. Crusade, for those who don't recall this, was a... Uh, uh, Guardians Crusade, for those who don't recall, known in Japan as, I think, Night and Baby. Yes, uh, was two main characters. Yeah, like, you, you were basically a knight who was taking care of a little baby monster, and it had, like, some sort of Tamagotchi elements, and your party was made up of, like, toys that you found, like, living toys that would do different do things. Do different things. Yeah. It had a very cutesy aesthetic that I don't think uh, anyone in North America was particularly ready for at the time. Uh, it was... Just know, I that, just know that Otterland gave it a ridiculously low review score... On a rambling, barely coherent review that docked at points for ripping off Navi from Ocarina of Time as a as a kind of a play element, while simultaneously yeah. acknowledging that the game came out six months before Ocarina of Time. It's extraordinarily bizarre. I can't imagine seeing an insight into how that brain works. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, me neither, but there's a good reason why I decided to review the Japanese copy, um, Japanese version, even though it wasn't, I mean, we normally, as a site, prefer to review the English version for official review purposes, <laughs> and why Mac was willing to let me go along with it, because we needed something instead. Some other review, please, anything. Some Something to, something to um, represent the site, yes. Yeah. Also... And, and looking okay. at the Wikipedia entry for um, Guardians Crusade, I, I would say my review was more in line with the general attitudes of the game review community at the time than it is with that guy. Yeah. It's it's a cute game that, like, could probably shine more with a remake. Sadly, its developer and publisher, like, well, I think maybe the only time Tamsoft ever published something rather than just developing it, uh, went on to make just boatloads of simple 2000 games. <laughs> and I think nowadays mostly makes One Chambara games. <laughs> so they've, uh, they've been doing just a lot of things since then. And, you know, they're not really hurting for... They're not hurting for money, but they, they, uh... It'd be nice to see, uh, a little, uh... Guardians Crusade get another chance. It apparently got a PSN, uh, like PS1 Classic release in Japan, and of course they just didn't bother bringing that over. Uh, much funnier is that it apparently was published by Activision in the US, which is incredibly funny to me. Yeah. I really miss the. One of the things I miss about the PS1 era is that every company needed to have some sort of side business in localizing RPGs even if it made no sense with the rest of their portfolio. Like, the PS, the late PS1, early PS2 era is when companies like Activision, Ubisoft, Midway would be, div would be publishing these, like, B and C tier RPGs. And, like, it's bizarre to think about the idea that they would be doing that at the same time that they were releasing. Like, Activision would have released that, like, a year before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Mm-hmm. Incredibly funny to me. Let's see. 
Give me eight. This one might be... Uh, well, we'll hit both of these because they, uh, they speak to different ends of the spectrum. Number 48. What is the tightest written JRPG you have ever played? I feel like Gaijin will probably have the most coherent answer to this. Well, I mean, really also depends on what you mean by tightly written and coherent. Yeah, I, I, I guess... This I is would, a low bar, dudes. This is a very yeah, low Yeah, I, I guess I would say for tightest written, I would interpret that to mean with the least amount of, like, wasted space in terms of writing. Okay, then uh, Xenogears 1 and 2 for DS. Oh, Xenosaga 1 and 2? Yeah, because they had to, like, cut those down a bit and, like, make them more coherent. Yes. There's entire sections of the original games that are cut down to side menu items that you can read on your at your own pleasure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, see, in the review, I described it, the story as a particularly coherent season of Star Trek and Next Generation. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right right there, that's probably the most coherent you're going to find. Uh, it's also got one of the single highest reading levels I've ever uh, mentioned on a game review. Yeah. Uh, other than that, um, hmm. I mean, some of the ones that were designed more like visual novels, I guess. Those kind of have to lean on their writing more. Yeah. So. Uh, Sigma Harmonics, Sword World 2.0, a couple others like that. Mm hmm. When I, when I think of, like, tightly written games, I usually think of, like, adventure games more than RPGs, because RPGs have a need to sprawl out and, like, justify dungeon crawling in a lot of cases. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, and I, you know, obviously I, I like that kind of writing. I'm a huge, like, FF7 fan, and that is, like, a sprawling, uh, like, unfocused piece of work that I love dearly. Uh, you know, it, my my uh, argument would be that uh, tight that being tightly written is overrated. But uh, you know, uh, if you're looking for specifically like avoiding like wasted time and space, uh, I'd usually like point more at like adventure games uh, before I'd point at RPGs. Um, you got any wheels? I do not. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just going to use this chance to recommend Ace Attorney games, which, as mysteries, have to explain almost everything that happens, even if that explanation is nonsense. <laughs> um, let's see. And the, the polar opposite of this question. Is Chrono Cross's complicated? Uh, Chrono Cross's plotline really that complicated, or is it just people overblow it? No, it's incredibly. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily just that it's complicated, although it is. It's that it's like three different drafts of the same plot fighting for supremacy. <laughs> I keep describing it as Chrono Trigger fan fiction that got, somehow got published. Yeah, it's because uh, it bears a lot of those hallmarks right there. What if we took this thing that was happy and we made it dark? Uh, and then we justified it with some really, really massive stretches of time travel logic. Yeah. Like, the thing that is always, uh, always incredible. I remember I have a friend who uh, told me about, like, one of the most incredible lines 
in the Ultimania. It's like it's talking about the Ultimania or whatever special like swear guide that was released for it. It always has like interviews and developer information about things. And it starts talking about like the Dead Sea, which is like a huge pivotal pivotal part of the Chrono Cross plot. Uh, in terms of like a bunch of big scenes happen there, but there's very little explanation about it. I think it, I think it's specifically the Dead Sea that it's talking about, but like the sum total of explanation about it in that guide is basically to say like, who knows where this came from? <laughs> and it's just like that's just if they had settled on a singular draft of Chrono Cross to make then maybe it wouldn't seem as complicated as it is. But they didn't. And there's a bunch of stuff in there that just seems like something where, like, it's it's the old, like, like kill your darlings thing in writing where it's like, it doesn't matter how good an idea is if it doesn't suit the story. Chrono Cross is one of those, is what happens when you don't do that and you just keep putting, you keep it in because you love this, like, aesthetic or like this idea too much to admit that it isn't doing anything for the plot anymore like Chrono Cross is that as an entire game and like it's just like even I remember having like the discussion of like what's right or wrong with this plot and uh, like 10 years ago at this point and like one of the people I was talking to who dearly loved the game was just wrote like this like 3000 word essay about how Lynx as a character doesn't work. And Lynx is like the primary villain for half of that game. <laughs> and like everything about his backstory makes him make less sense. <laughs> yes. Or, or like that bit where uh, to, to marry these two things I just brought up, there's a bit early on where Lynx is like gives this like weird, like I am your father, Luke, uh, speech where he yells at protagonist Surge about being the chrono trigger and uh-huh. what exactly the chrono trigger is is never explained and it's essentially just never brought up again like that's the reason chrono cross is considered to be complicated <laughs> it just doesn't know where to quit <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to fold those over everyone. Is there anything else someone wanted to add? No worries. Take that as a no. No. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Humorang added another question in the chat. Uh, any plans to try any of the Chinese RPGs that are trying to get a bit of popularity worldwide, like Sword and Fairy, uh, Gujan? Tales of Wuxia and Gates of Firmament. Uh, I don't well, I, know much about that market, so like I'd be interested, yeah. but I'd have no idea where to start. <laughs> well, I, I picked up one free on Steam a while back called Eternal Senia, which is pretty well translated, except for the random spots where if you do something the computer wasn't expecting you, it gives you a message in Chinese. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame. So... I would imagine that a lot of the reason that I don't know much about this market is also I just I don't play a lot of things on my PC when there's console games I could be playing. So, uh, and I think a lot of these are just they're Steam games because like that's probably the healthiest like PC is almost assuredly the healthiest market in China. So I don't have a lot of 
cost to pick them up. But like, if I got some decent recommendations, I'd want to give them a shot. I might uh, note some of these down for later in case I get the time and the inclination. Sorry, somebody said Genshin Impact, and I dozed off for a bit there. Sorry. I didn't, no one even said Genshin Impact. It was implied. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> was it? None of these are like mobile RPGs is the thing, Wheels. I'm looking them up, and they all have, like, Steam releases and don't appear to be gotcha hell. <sighs> well, what, what other Chinese RPG would inspire that question, though? I don't know. They brought up several, none of which were Genshin Impact. Okay. But Genshin Impact is Chinese? Oh, yeah, definitely. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and the only Chinese produced game I, other game I've other Chinese previous game I've played was um, the Eagle Shooting Heroes for PlayStation 2. That was a PlayStation Hong Kong production. Nice. nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, let's see. Doomerang's recommending Gujan 3 would be the big one. Sometimes has big Steam sales. I'll give a look for that then. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make a note of that, so I'll try to remember to give that a shot next time I see it on sale. Thanks, Doomerang. Name for later use. Otherwise, I'll forget the name and feel very silly. Okay, saved. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the Chinese market is probably quite big and only standing to get bigger. I mean, it's like a huge potential market with not a lot of penetration from other markets because of different like laws and import fees and such so like there's probably a lot of interesting things there that we just have no idea about because they haven't traditionally been exported so I think I've ranted about this before but there was a really cool uh, YouTube video uh, from a few years back that was just someone from Taiwan talking about one of the only like Taiwan created like video game consoles and all of the games, that, all 10 games that came out for it. I remember that. And it's like, it's a really neat video that goes into like something that essentially has no English uh, information on it. But, uh, and you are playing Portable Third now, or have you swapped Persona 5 now? I just, I don't know. Okay, Wheels is dying. Uh, I'm tired, man. I got yeah. second. I got a second win, and it has run out. That was really more like a first win, but okay. Uh, do we want to hit a last question, or do we let Wheels die? Let's do one more. Do it. Do it. Okay. Uh, let's let's have one that'll uh, work up your dutch, and we'll get back to the one that I'm skipping next time, since. Uh, it's a bit more of a question that'll take some complicated answering. Uh, 51. The Outer Worlds being so relatively bug-free, do you think people from now on will not let Bethesda get away if, with Elder Scrolls 6 slash Fallout 5 being a hot mess of glitches? Uh, I'd like there to be, just by virtue of the fact that like so many other open-world games show that like QA is just not a priority for Bethesda as it currently exists or at least existed at the time of those releases. But, 
I mean, people just sort of let it slide over and over, so yeah, I don't not, know. Not expecting any change. Yeah. Uh, like, Outer Worlds shows that you can make that kind of game and not have it be just a complete mess. Like, I mean, even things like Breath of the Wild, like, not the same kind of game, but showcase, like, you can have all sorts of complex interactions happen and the game could still feel like a stable video game. Uh, and Tam points out that Microsoft now owns them, so who knows? And I would say, yeah, I would imagine Microsoft will likely impose its own QA practices upon them, which might make the next games not as much of a disaster. <laughs> Also, they won't be porting them to hardware they clearly don't care about as much, so... Uh, Wheels will be spared from playing a PS3 version of a Bethesda game. Not that those were ever going to happen again, but still. Anything equivalent to a PS3 version of a Bethesda game. Ugh. But, like, you could tell that, like, a lot of these things were things they could fix, they just chose not to. Because, like, very occasionally you would get a company that would be like, no, fix this, and they would go back and fix it. Like... When Elder Scrolls V came out on Switch, they fixed bugs that had been in there for, like, six years, and it was just like, why? Well, Nintendo told them they had to. Like, it's just, like, they, they were making a choice. Uh, yeah, uh... Tam says uh, Elder Scrolls 6 might still be on Sony since that was announced before the acquisition. It's like maybe I like I don't know that any like contracts were actually drawn up without it, which is what I would think would actually affect whether Elder Scrolls 6 goes anywhere. Like Ghostwire Tokyo is still coming out on PS5. Uh, Deathloop is still coming out on PS5, but both of those are games where like contracts were signed to make those PS5 games. Whereas, like, it feels like Sony probably didn't have to pay to make uh, Elder Scrolls VI a PS5 game, and that might actually ironically make it harder to make sure that it's a PS5 game, because, like, there might not have actually been a contract signed up to make it happen. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah. Um, as a last comment on the Chinese games, this Gushin Doomerang brings up that Genshin's an interesting one because the devs are trying to get away with as much as they can to be global and fun while uh, while under pressure from, quote, sources. Uh, interesting that it does show just the kind of potential that Chinese developers have at making games. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like, there's definitely a lot of potential. I mean, like, when you get a nation with over a billion people in it, like, there's going to be a lot of potential to make some truly incredible stuff, and it's just hasn't it's just waiting to be tapped so you know it's it's a market i want to see what comes out of it because i mean there's probably a lot of incredible stuff that mm -hmm. could come out but you know we just haven't really gotten the chance to experience it yeah so since wheels is dying uh you're dying you keep saying that and it keeps not being true you're not uh, true Hey, never mind. Uh, Gaijin, <laughs> please plug. Plug, plug, plug away. Okay, so for those of us who are not currently suffering from massive sleep deprivation, 
<laughs> um, there's always fun and interesting things to read out there, including Princesses of the Pizza Parlor for Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, or Paperback if you're feeling generous. Uh, let's see, written by, under the name Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Um, currently nine episodes and a side story available in ebook format. Um, all of that and one more side story available in print. Working on the fourth print edition right now. Nice. Yes. So, yeah. Nice uh, ongoing, something breezy that you can read if you're uh, if you want to enjoy some nice, uh, fun, uh, you know, uh, fun girls playing D and D. That's always fun. Yeah. Well, not necessarily D and D per se, but D and D. I mean, technically, it was based off of um, based off Table. of Pathfinder, but yeah, we'll go with tabletop. Yeah, Pathfinder it's like two generations. D and D, come on now. <laughs> we're, we're we're looking at like two generations removed from D and D, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, give that a look if you can. Um, as for the rest of us, uh, I don't think we have plugs. Wheels. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. You'll probably hear me on a backtrack in a few weeks. Uh, You'll hear both of us. Yes, and we'll be at highly variable degrees of coherence. Yes. Wheels just dove headlong into the lava in this Borderlands game, so I think he is cooked. I swear uh, I could make that jump. It, didn't, it did not happen. No. I have no idea. Uh, Tam reminds that... Uh, that uh, he will also be on that uh, backtrack, so get ready. It'll be a bonanza. Good times. Good times. You may hear someone ranting about how the Dreamcast was actually... It was terrible, actually. Okay, that's probably not going to get a lot of play because I'm not going to let you, but uh, not even just as defensive Dreamcast. I just want to talk about the actual dang game. Um, But yeah. um, I mean, ground you... Grind you too is awesome, so it's fine. Well, cat's out of the bag. Um, it was gonna be out of the bag anyway. Come on now. In any case, uh, look forward to that. Um, otherwise, we got no plugs. Uh, it's, it's the only RPG on <laughs> Dreamcast other than Skies. Yeah, you know that game you still haven't played. Um, it's not raining. It Damn is it. raining. <laughs> you admitted it was raining at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, question for later. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll save this question for next time. Thank you, Dumarai. Um, because I got a lot of feelings about that. Uh, but yeah, um, otherwise, you can ask us questions. They go in the comments section, or they go in the podcast section of the Discord. Please join the Discord if you haven't already. It's very fun. There's a lot of nice people there. Uh, we all talk about RPGs. We got a lot of got a lot of love for all of them. So you're bound to find someone who can share your tastes, even if they're things like uh, like egging wheels on about Breath of Fire every three weeks. Um, <laughs> I thought I was egging everyone else on about Breath of Fire every few weeks. It is mutual at this stage. It's yeah, um, probably correct. But yeah, uh, you can go to the Discord and ask those, or if you're uh, if you're on really on the spot, you can uh, you can join us on the Twitch chat. And as was demonstrated this episode, we will absolutely read your questions from the Twitch chat. 
because uh, we don't want to forget them. So. Uh, otherwise, thank you to uh, Doomerang, uh, Tam, and Fireminer for this week's questions. Uh, we love everyone who asks us questions and are always happy to hear from all of you. Uh, but, yeah, uh, otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Yeah.